Anderson. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Monday morning, 46 degrees on your November 6th, 2023. It is 6.08 and we are ready to go. Got the whole team here. Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry in the KLIN studios with me, Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom, Chris Lofgren, uh, I believe, will be along shortly, and uh, we got the team together, ready to go for a big Monday show. On the show today, we'll have a new week of Fantasy Huskers keywords, we'll tell you who won last week's competition also on the show, a little bit of... uh, a little bit of discussion about what happened in East Lansing as the Huskers fall short and do not get bowl eligible. So we'll get into that with what went wrong in that game. We'll look ahead to the next one as well. Guests today will also include Tim Hruza and also Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7. So that's what we've got coming up today. Uh, and we say hello. Hello, uh, Caleb. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good Have morning. Good uh, thank you, Volleyball. For, for salvaging the weekend. There you go. Yes. And uh, Mark Vale. Mark, I know you were here Friday, but uh, glad to uh, glad to have you back once again. How are yep. you doing this morning? Well, I'm doing fine. Going to be going next week, though. Girl, man, come on. Got some All issues right. to deal with. And All then, right. then uh, the annual meeting of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Oh, well, you can't miss that. Nope. Can't miss that. Um, 80th right. anniversary. Well, we will savor you. You said 80? 80. 80th Ooh. anniversary. 80. Mark's in the Hall of Fame. For that people people forget that marks in several hall of fames i forget what all he's in um well it's good to have you back we will savor every moment that we do have with you we'll drink it in while we've while we've got it this week For some reason savory and pale distant. uh oh. hey i want to uh want to uh, thank everybody uh i don't know thank everybody who said hi and caleb probably echoes this as well we were both out on the route of the good life haves he yesterday and uh, saw all, I mean, I assume all of the runners who were involved in it one way or the other. If you were, uh, if you were running it uh, and you, uh, you, didn't, you didn't know, uh, I was on Holmes Park Road. Is it Holmes Lake Road or Holmes Park Road? I drive on it like five times every day, and I don't know that. Um, right off 70th Street when you turned into the little neighborhood area there. So you might have saw me with, and my daughter with my Bluetooth speaker there and the KLIN uh, car there on the side. And then when you got into Holmes Lake... Uh, you probably would have seen Caleb not with KLIN stuff, but with the Red ninety four five stuff. Yeah, yep. I'm, I, I'm the I'm the youngest one here, so they let me take ninety four five. There you go. So, <laughs> but it was uh, it was fun right there. There was a lot of people. I got a lot of fist bumps. People yeah. waving. People dancing. Um, even had uh, one of our friends from Central Nebraska who works at KGFW with with NRG. He stopped and he ran over. He took a picture. I was like, "Dude, you are running a race. Like, you do, like I can run with you for this picture." He must not have been concerned about his time. Not in the least. <laughs> That's good. No, we. I did the. I did kind of the same thing. I stood along the route and I brought. Uh, uh, I, I brought a big Bluetooth speaker with me, and I do. For some reason, I've started a tradition with this. Uh, with this race, I've been out there. I know you have two Caleb for several years mm-hmm. in a row here, and I've always been out at the same spot. And uh, like we're the where we park is a little bit far off the route, so I cross the street and I bring my own personal Bluetooth speaker, and I load it up with uh, with a playlist that is all 
workout, like training montage songs from 80s movies. And so I blast that there, and I just put my hand out. Anybody who wants to give me a uh, five or a fist bump as I go through, you would have, I mean, the amount, the, the amount of... I think this is, at least visually, the most joy, the highest volume of joy I've ever caused in my life. And I'm not doing that to pat myself on the back. I don't know what it is about doing that. I've done this at the half marathon before, too. Like, if you are yelling encouragement and playing music and offering your hand out to give five, people love it. It, it, You can visually see, you can visually like see them struggling a little bit, and then they see you and. I don't know what it is, but their face just brightens and they smile and they laugh. It is one of the most rewarding, the rewarding things that I've ever done is offering high fives during half marathons. I see people come off of 70th Street and maybe that those first couple miles are like, yeah, the, those are those are already catching up. But then Genuine's Pony starts playing, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, they have got another gear coming. I like it's it's crazy how how it's so fun just because people just get get so happy to see a little bit of encouragement. A little tiny bit goes so far in terms of the reaction. So I love I love doing that every year, and and it's nice because I was always telling people I was like, hey, I live here. It's a big downhill stretch here for the next uh, next mile or so. So you're gonna like that. And that I think <laughs> like, made like them happy you scouted too. Scouted the course, right? I, well, I like I actually like I live right in the area that they were running into, and I was like, welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> that was kind of the I was the welcome I, wagon I heard, there. I heard the next two cheer stations down the you know after you. Uh, everybody was saying Jack sent me. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Uh, so that was great, and I tons of tons of people are like, "Hey, Jack!" Right, and I that was cool too. So that was a blast yesterday. My daughter always loves going out with me. She's still still of the age where she likes hanging out with dad and doing that. So we'll see if that keeps going when she's fourteen next year. But nonetheless, great day for that. Uh, great race as uh, as always with the Good Life House. He thank them for letting us be a part of this again, and hope we can continue to do that. And congratulations to everyone who ran, walked, made it out. Out there uh, for the uh, for the half marathon yesterday. Great weather, great weather for it. I assume the runners thought great weather. I don't think it got too warm. Uh, that's the only place that it would have been was too warm yesterday for everything. But uh, really nice. And Mark, man, this forecast. We, you know, I had my little middle mini little mini freak out yeah. a couple weeks ago that we weren't getting true fall weather. Uh, we got it this we, week. We got it for it looks like a full week at least. At least here going forward, uh, no precipitation in the in the forecast at all. A lot of sunny skies and starting out with highs. Uh, what in the sixties for the next few days? Seven, seventy-one seven, done. Seventy-one today. Okay. Seventy-three tomorrow. Seventy. Geez. Last night I was in my house and I was like, I got to turn the air back on. It was so. <laughs> It was so warm in my dang house. We had like lots of people in there too, but it was so warm. Just open the doors. In the house. I did, but it wasn't enough. Um, but it we'll, we'll have more of that. So yeah, great, great next, weather into next weekend. It'll be a little cooler during the weekend, but still like prime fall weather, right? Even next week looks into nice. next week too. So no, no kooky snowstorm coming in here. Nothing, nothing like that. No bitter cold for a while. None of that. And we will take it. Get us through November since we are. Uh, since we are now well into that, a week into it, hopefully you got your clocks set back on Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, I talked to somebody who had completely forgot about that, had no idea it was happening, so I suppose I should mention it now. If if you are listening to us and you are not hearing what you expect to, at this point you're expecting to hear the morning drive here in just a little bit, that means you forgot to turn your clock back. So that is uh, 
another day with that. So hopefully everybody, Caleb, is that still like a big, is that a big uh, bedtime sleep situation with Millie here when you're doing the clock back or is it just uh, not that big? Well, we, we made sure that because you're doing that, we could tell she was tired around what should have been two o'clock or nap time. Yeah. But we're like, nope, we're going out. We're we're taking a walk, and she's rubbing her eyes, and we're like, nope, you're gonna you're gonna nope. power through this. You're for, gonna go out for a walk, and you're gonna like it for for thirty minutes. And then we'll get you into nap, and she was great. And then bed bedtime, same thing. It's like, all right, we can tell this is about where she's getting tired, but we're gonna try to get her back on schedule. So you try to push through with that. It was it was nice though, getting up for the halvesy where I'm like, all right, I got to be out there at a certain time. They're gonna close off the roads. Oh. There's an extra hour I got here. It doesn't feel like I'm getting up right. as early. But. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, yep. Hopefully everybody's okay. And I had the traditional thing that you've got the Sunday after the fall daylight saving time, the fallback thing, where it is, you have about five moments during the entire evening where you think it's, it's not just one hour. You always feel like it's like two hours later than it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> At six o'clock, I was ready to. I was about ready to start winding up the night and going to bed. <laughs> it was like, geez, it's it's not the the evening football game hasn't even started yet, and it feels much later than that. So, uh, hopefully, everybody made it through the weekend and uh, not having too much dysfunction with the sleep situation. Uh, now, my, I've, I am so dysfunctional on timing after last week and now this, yeah. and, and next week. I was in Arizona last week, which oh, is two hours. That's always a confusing then, whatever time zone they're on. I never then, know. Then you get home, and then you uh, get back an hour. You set your clocks back. <laughs> Next week, I'm in Eastern time oh, zone. So. so, you're yeah, you were going to be screwed up anyway, whether yeah, or not yeah. this was happening. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And uh, people will be. some people might be happy uh, on the morning end of this thing. Obviously, we've got the early sunset, which... Man, I really don't like, but I know there are morning people out there too that are like, "Hey, this is going to be nice. To actually, get some daylight here in the morning." That we seven o two is sunrise. Seven o two. Okay, yeah, it was on Saturday morning. I was up early and I couldn't believe it was still dark out. I was like, "It's like, man, I don't pay much attention in the morning to when the sun comes up because I'm always in the studio." But it's really late right now. Uh, all right, let's get into some of the uh, the headlines, Mark. Uh, I know you pretty much had all of the details on. Uh, this motorcycle crash yesterday in um, on 84th Street. Actually, 84th 82nd, and 82nd, 82nd and A is okay. where, where it took place, just uh, west oh, of 84th. Uh, two motorcycles collided, um, both, end, both riders thrown. One ended up on the sidewalk, the other and the two bikes in the eastbound lane. Uh, the uh, guy in the street was uh, has non-life-threatening injuries. The guy that landed in the sidewalk... Uh. Uh, died on the scene so were they in the same do you know were they in the same were they both going the same direction uh, we don't have those details okay you know yep. that investigation i'm just up. yeah i'm just curious because it's not like there's some like big left turn that somebody would probably make there that could cause that kind of a a collision i'm just curious what happened obvious it's a area that i've driven yeah. you know thousands of times thousands of times there that, so. and that's a that's kind of a busy area you know you yeah, had, it can be you head east or uh, west there to seventieth, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Head towards Lincoln East, right? Yeah. But this was about five fifteen uh, last night, which, by the way, right, it was, it was starting to get dark. Was about sun, sunset yeah. days at five seventeen. So yep. Right. You know, when it could, it could have been uh, a situation that had something to do with dusk. Uh, well, that uh, 
terrible story there. But um, yeah, we'll uh, then wait you, and see if we get more on that. You that uh, fatal uh, accident last month up northwest, north first, and Nance. Uh, that that uh, yeah. they actually cited that driver on Thursday for uh, vehicular homicide. Oh my gosh! All right. Um, okay. Other other my, uh, non non traffic non uh, non uh, crash news. Uh, Would we have anything else, Mark? Well, at four, uh, North Forty Eighth up there, uh, University Place uh, LTU has made a change. They're gonna uh, get done earlier. <laughs> no, but they're gonna open it up for the winter. Oh, okay. And then uh, about eight weeks worth of. Uh, activity next spring to finish it up um yeah this whole thing is taking on kind of a life of its own yes, uh, in and in in part because of the work that kli and newsroom has done on this too um but yeah you've got some business owners that have have been frustrated i i did so they're going to take a break and they, they say they're going to keep a lane open uh as they get into when they get back to this in the spring uh, and they're hoping to get this portion done and reopen things up before Black Friday, right. which is a little, which I actually think is a little earlier than they said they were going to do it. Um, so business owners are hoping to recoup some of the lost time that they've had over the last few weeks with this. But but there's some frustration because some of the business owners are saying, "Hey, there was going to," they said there was going to be a lane open the entire time, and there wasn't. Um, so this is yeah, this has become a rather rather big story, especially for the the people who live and and patronize those businesses on north 48th and of course the business owners as well so and the one business of course did uh have to close right. or decided to close and mm-hmm. that was the story that uh, chase did that, yeah that, and took it on then ltu and the city uh responded to that story and both of those uh, a lot of details both from the city and chase's initial story posted at klin.com yep absolutely Absolutely. Uh, all right. And by the way, I saw I saw you had. I don't know if we'll get into this morning drive or not, but you had an interesting note, Mark, on our on our show prep sheet that we are one year. I don't know if it's to the day, but uh, we are one year away. I guess it'll be to the Tuesday tomorrow for Election Day, twenty twenty four. Yeah. Here we go. Here yeah. we go. I mean, buckle up, buckle. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's, it's forever and yet tomorrow. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing is, like, you're weeks away from it, kind of kicking into gear with the primaries, in terms right. of yeah. in terms of nationally with the presidential races, with with those going, and to some degree, soon enough with some of the stuff that's going to happen locally as well with the with the primaries. Now, those of course are later, you know, into into the spring, summer when Nebraska has their primaries in May. But nonetheless, it's going to feel with every week, I mean, I think you got a little bit, you got a little while here through the holidays where it's not going to feel like you're in the middle of election season, but well, it won't be long. I don't know. January 15th is the Iowa caucus. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's, so, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it, if, if, if you're someone who, if you're somebody, I guess, who savors election time, get ready for fun. And if you're someone who doesn't savor it, <laughs> enjoy these last few weeks that you've got. I was, it's funny you mentioned that, Mark, because I was driving through the neighborhood. Uh, yesterday morning, and I was just kind of looking, and the fall colors were really right. nice. Everything looked nice, and I was like, I was like, you know what else looks nice? There are no campaign election signs in anyone's yard, and I realized that's not going to be like that for much Isn't longer. There an for exception the rest of the year, where there, there was one sign, one or two signs have been in that yard for like a decade. Now. Where at? Where at? Oh, I've, I've seen. <laughs> I've seen some. I don't know if there's one specific place, but I've seen that sometimes. Yes, where it seems like. there was one up here 
right by where we where our office is on South 48th here that used to put campaign signs of candidates who had lost years ago yeah. in their yard. I think that's what I was. Which I thought, yeah, that was always that was always interesting. But they will be. Yeah, you're not going to see. You're not going to be driving around Lincoln very much longer or much over the next twelve months where it's not signs, signs, signs everywhere. And we'll have less uh, and less showtime. Signs, signs uh, everywhere. Sign. I'd love to say I'm long I'm excited for our great chance to exercise democracy, but but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I would say that nothing, very you, much. Nothing not. you can do about it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's coming. Yep. All right, and uh, hey, listen, we'll we'll get into the football game more. Uh, disappointing result for Nebraska football. Uh, they'll take another shot at trying to get bowl eligible this weekend against Maryland. Caleb and I will break that down. But uh, sports sports match locally of the of the week happened on Friday night with Nebraska Penn State volleyball. Oh boy! Uh, of course, they did get the sweep yesterday, but don't bury the lead. It was that Penn State match where Nebraska goes down two zero and then roars back to take the next three sets and get a win in a hostile environment at Penn State and stay unbeaten, stay atop the Big Ten. That was an impressive, impressive feat by John Cook's team. Yeah, here's the thing. There there was concern when you go back to match of the century. You're playing number one Wisconsin, haven't beat them in your last ten matches, and you're down 2-1 after getting blasted in set two and then not really getting anything set. It felt more stressful on Friday when you're down 0-2 going on the road, record crowd yep. at the wreck. Yep. And however they do it, they do it, man. They they got it done. Yep, it was impressive. Very cool. And by the way, speaking of volleyball, congratulations a couple of Lincoln teams, Lincoln Southwest, Lincoln Lutheran taking yeah, on state volleyball titles as well. Norris right there, runner up in B2. Yep. yep, great season for them as well. All right, 626, we'll take a break. Caleb's got a full sports cast coming up next on KLIN. Living in Nebraska means severe weather is always in season. Your severe weather action team is based on 1499.3 KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln. And conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first... Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it is time for Fantasy Huskers, a new week. But first, let's take a look back at last week. If you uh, if you're following Caleb on Twitter during the game, he was keeping you posted as to when people were getting eliminated, <laughs> when they were kind of in the hot seat for needing a turnover throughout at least Throughout the pre-turnover phase of that game, which didn't last forever. But uh, tell us about what happened last week, Kelly. Uh Yeah, as a matter of fact, the, the winner was the first picker of the week. Ooh, okay. Which I did not anticipate when we had this question. Yeah. But ultimately, you've got 
a turnover with 3.39 to go in the first quarter, and the closest on that one was Corey's four-and-a-half first quarter guess clear back at this exact time right, a week Corey. ago. Nice job. So Corey's our winner for uh, $50 to Valentino's, $50 to Alumni Hall. All right, so we clear the boards and we start all over again with a new week of Fantasy Huskers. Uh, let's tell you first what we're uh, what we're going to ask you to guess, and then we'll give you the keyword. Uh, this week, the question for you is, what is Nebraska's longest passing play in yards? What is Nebraska's longest passing play in yards? Okay, so it's an interesting one, or I'm, I'm, I think it's an interesting one, I should say, mm-hmm. because Nebraska has... Um, two of the three last games, and, and including a couple of shots this time, tried some deep balls that they hadn't been trying as much during the year, and part of it was a game situation last week. Um, yet, they don't throw a high volume of passes generally, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago with our actual content. So this could be all over the board. Like I think anything is in play on this one, Caleb, from like 15 to 70, really. absolutely. It could be anywhere in there, and so that's why we like this category. So that will be the question that you answer if you are lucky enough to get a pick. The way that you get a pick is by texting us now with this keyword. Patience. Pay patience. P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. Patience. 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 Text that in to 402-479-1400, and we will pick one of those who texted us to get pick number one, which was the winning pick last week. See if you can do it. So think about it now, though. If you get a pick, how many yards will Nebraska's longest pass of the game be on Saturday? Which, by the way, looks like uh, the weather will be will be good for passing. Will be good. At least good. not not a precipitation situation. Uh, we'll see about how much the wind kind of affects things in there because that can always be a wild card, too. So there you go. On fantasy Oscars, if you didn't, if you don't end up getting this pick, another chance at eight ten today, and then six thirty five, eight ten every day this week, all the way, including the Friday Husker tailgate coming up at the end of the week. All right, let's jump in to the sound off today. Uh, we will start with the Israel Hamas war and coming ground invasion. There have been calls for a ceasefire. Uh, for a period of time, a humanitarian-based ceasefire, it does not look like that is going to happen, and it does look like Israeli troops are going to continue to enter in to Gazan territory on a ground offensive, and we're going to have a lot more of that coming up this week. So far, there's no sign Israel is ready to back any plan for a momentary ceasefire. Its military, in fact, claims it has encircled Gaza City and has divided the besieged coastal strip in two. Israeli media reports troops are expected to enter Gaza City within 48 hours. Gaza has fallen under the third total communications outage since the start of the war. Still, the White House is making it clear that Palestinians must have a say in whatever comes next for the territory after the conflict. All right. Um, So, yeah, it looks like the the kind of a, a surrounding of Gaza City Right now, Israel says its troops have, have reached the coastline and, and, like she said there, basically split it into two areas, North Gaza and South, uh, in the south side as well. And so now you've got a lot of Palestinian, Palestinians who have massed in the southern half of the, the strip as well. And so there's going to be a lot of questions about that and mounting calls for a ceasefire, but 
Israel saying, look, there would have to be a release of all hostages here at this point. The United States is pushing for a humanitarian pause in the fighting as well. The CIA chief, top diplomat from the United States are in the region, um, given the um, continuing discussion about the impact on civilians as well. Anthony Blinken was in Turkey after he had a surprise visit to the occupied West Bank and Iraq as well. And uh, some of the numbers that the that the Israelis are are giving more than 1.5 million have been displaced in Gaza. Health officials say more than 9,700 have been killed. Israel says 1,400 people were killed in the Hamas attack, and 241 are still held hostage at this point. So that is the very latest on that. All right, uh, let's get into some other other things, other news today. This is interesting. Uh, so Elon Musk was speaking on the future of, of AI. Um, and while obviously there's, he's got some polarizing, polarizing opinions on him, especially related to what's happened with Twitter slash X. I am always curious what he's got to say about AI. It's obviously something that he thinks about a lot and is going to be involved in, in the future of significantly. And his explanation of what the future will be like is essentially there isn't going to be jobs. There will not be jobs for anyone, for anything, apparently, according to Elon Musk. Billionaire tech mogul Elon Musk said at an AI summit in London, he thinks the world is seeing the most disruptive force in history. Musk talked about his concerns during a sit-down with UK Prime Minister Sunak at the inaugural AI safety summit attended by business and world leaders. Musk said AI will eventually create a situation where no job is needed. Adding, sure, you can have a job if you want one, but AI will be able to do everything. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. Even host a morning show? Yeah. Yeah, that's that is the interesting question is what are the last what are the last jobs that a human will outperform or is preferable to AI in doing? Are we are we including artists? A, are we including AI in no because apparently that's that's going. Like they're just pulling a bunch of images. I, yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's interesting to think about. I mean but, but just my, in general about kind of a futurist, but also just like where where are people gonna concentrate in the coming decades their quest for vocation? Are we including AI with the ability for like the advancement of robots type of thing for the manual labor type of positions. Are you including, oh, I guess I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, I'm asking, so people building houses, right? Uh, laying, laying bricks. I think he's saying road, everything. Road repair. Yeah, robots are going to build the houses, build the roads. Okay. All of so, them, so we're So we're including. That's what, I'm just saying what he's saying. Right, yeah. So, because I didn't. Because I didn't know, are he we talking no just AI jobs. where it's just something like an app that you spit stuff out of and you can you can program it to run a run a radio station or to watch the stock markets, like those types of things? Or is that AI being implemented into physical, like robot type of entities? I, have, I, I don't know the answer to exa- what it looks like exactly. But, but it sounds like he was thinking he, that he's basically saying where, yeah. people don't need people. Will, you will not need people to do all of the work that's needed right now. What about like uh, like counselors, like like therapists and those sorts? Of, I'm just trying to think of like sort of the most human centric 
vocations I'm, that we've got. I'm fairly certain there are already some AI counselors. Oh, is it good? Are they good? Do they work? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, entertainers, right? Like, like I said, artists would be would be one as well. So, so you hear you, you you're hearing me, kids. The one job that you need to figure out how to do is become a rock star. Because that's the only job that's going to be around for your future. Man, I I don't know. They they used AI to make the last Beatles song. They, they used some of it. They used some of it, but they still had to have John Lennon's voice originally put down to okay, be able to do okay, it. Okay, they used some of it for they now. They used it to take out the background voices, background noises. <laughs> I think. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, maybe some people this morning driving around a little sleepy, kind of still messed up because of daylight saving time. Well. Turns out it's kind of a bigger problem than you may think, especially for teenagers year-round. It's called drowsy driving, and a new survey from the National Sleep Foundation says one in six teens admits they've driven in a drowsy state during their first two years behind the wheel. The teens add that school and job commitments are the top factors keeping them up at night. A corresponding survey of U.S. adult drivers showed similar trends. The survey says around 6,400 people are killed every year as a result of drowsy driving. The survey conducted as part of its Drowsy Driving Prevention Week, a campaign to help Americans get the sleep they need and reduce numbers of sleep-deprived people behind the wheel. Ted Lindner, Fox News. Well, maybe that'll be cured by... so The self-driving car thing really kind of feels like... Is it just me, or does the momentum for that really kind of slow down? Like five years ago when we were talking about this and they were testing testing the self driving cars out, like you got the sense that these were gonna be these were gonna be kind of like all over pretty quickly mm-hmm. and it hasn't happened as much as I yeah. thought that it would. It's taken a little bit more time to roll out. Which by the way, that's one technical innovation I'm looking I'm, once they get it safe, that's one I'm looking forward to because of the reason he's talking about drive dr- drowsy drivers. I'm ready for the day when I can sleep on my way to work. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I hope I get to live to see the day where that actually happens. And I used to ask this question, too, five years ago. Uh, my daughter is 13 now, but, you know, when she was seven, eight years old, I kind of asked the question. I was like, will she Will she really ever need to drive? Will she learn it? Well, it's three years away now. I think she's going to. So I think mm-hmm. I might have overshot my aggressiveness on how soon something like that might actually happen uh all right let's see what else do we have here at this oh speaking of driving so you know how the rule of the road generally in lincoln in a lot of places is that if you come up on a red light right and you're turning right unless there is a sign prohibiting it you are generally able to make a right turn on that red light after you check to see traffic is coming the other way Mm -hmm. so we all do that we are all Used to it. Well, there is. This is interesting. There is a trend. Number one, it's interesting why that rule ever started, which gets explained a bit in this clip. And then there is a trend where bigger cities are starting to go away from this and saying, "Hey, look, we're done with right turns at red lights." A jump in accidents that kill or hurt pedestrians or cyclists is causing some cities, including Chicago, San Francisco, and Seattle, to consider a ban on right on red laws. They were a reaction to the Arab oil embargo of the 1970s, which triggered a mandate from the federal government to let drivers turn right on red with caution rather than sit idling at stoplights to conserve gas. City Council in Washington, D.C. has already approved a right on red ban scheduled to take effect just over a year from now. Jack Callahan, 
Fox okay. News. Number one, raise your hand if you knew that right, right on red lights came from the Arab oil embargo of the 70s. I did not know that. No. I was not aware of that it was a, a essentially a gas-saving measure that the federal government tried to make happen, tried to make a thing, and successfully made a thing in much of the country. Now, I'm trying to figure out the exact scenario. I think I know where where there are issues with pedestrians and bikes and those sorts of things. I think it's probably, so you know you're you're thinking about turning right on a red, right? And so you're looking to the left to see if there's traffic, if there's any traffic coming. What you might not see when you do that is someone on the right side of you, a pedestrian on the right side of you, or a bike on the right side of you who is going to cross in front of you at that point. Mm-hmm. And so you've got nothing... You've got nothing car-wise to check for to the right. You just have your head looking to the left. Mm-hmm. And so once it's clear, you might hit the gas, not first look to see if there would be a pedestrian in the crosswalk right to your right or directly in, in front of you that you didn't see. I assume that's most of the most of the issues that those cities Probably. are seeing where they're thinking about about doing that. So uh, would you pay would you pay five dollars to go to a movie? Now there's a catch. There's a catch. You have my for, interest. For, first of all, would you pay five because movie prices are obviously way higher than that? Would you pay five dollars to go to a movie if you didn't know what movie you were seeing when you did that? Wait, we're a- we're mystery boxing movies. AMC wants to try this out, and uh, <laughs> we're going to see what kind of interest that they get in it. Let the mystery begin. AMC's Screen Unseen begins today. The event promises. To surprise moviegoers by offering tickets to new movies for just five bucks. The surprise is you have no idea what movie you're going to get. Guests will find out what movie they're watching moments before the show is set to begin. AMC is also encouraging movie fans to share the experience on their socials with the hashtag AMC Screen Unseen on Instagram for a chance to win a film fanatic prize pack. Michelle Polino, Fox News. Any interest in this? No. For the five bucks? No. <laughs> I don't think I do either. No. First of all, I don't like this is gonna sound really this is really gonna sound really lame of me, but maybe some of you are like it. Like I have no interest in seeing horror movies. I I just am not interested in that genre as a whole. I know some people like it, but I there's I've got no desire I don't ever plan to go in the movie theater to go see a horror movie. So with so many of those, especially that are out this time of year that are in the new movies like there's a shot that it's something like that I'm like oh, I don't I don't want to see that because truly how many uh, if you if you take the list of new movies that are out at any time you kind of go through what percentage of them like do, is there a good percentage of them that you have just zero desire to watch whatsoever and then my other question I'm sure that there's an obvious answer to this if I did a little looking but do they tell you what the rating is beforehand or do you like that's because here I don't want I'm not taking my my daughter right. I'm going all right you and me daddy daughter date five dollars to get in and that's five nights of Freddy's right yeah exactly yeah that's that's so that's uh and see if they they get people to to do that five bucks though five bucks okay bring back the Starship Nine bring back bring back the dollar fifty theater in Lincoln. Oh man, Caleb, it was amazing. And this, this is never going to happen because now that 
things go over to streaming so quickly. But when you remember when there used to be the gap between when a movie got out of the theaters and when it came out on video? Um, in Lincoln, they basically had a movie theater where it was between those two times, that time, and you could it was over there, right downtown, and you could go there and see any of those movies in nine theaters for a buck fifty. Amazing. Amazing. A major part of my teenage years. That would be nice. It was nice. Sometimes, and I think this is probably part of why I went out of business, is sometimes you would be the only people in the theaters. We saw one of the Highlander sequels there, and it was just me and my friends were the only people in the theater. But I miss those days. All right. That is it for the sound off. We've got, uh, got another report from Tom Stanton coming up next. Right now in the capital city, we've got 44 degrees in the capital city on Lincoln's News and Talk, 1499.3 KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, option pitch out to the side, it's a touchdown, Nebraska. Think 1499.3 KLIN. It's time for Tom's Talk on 1499.3 KLIN. It's been just over a year since the state's first licensed casino opened up in southwest Lincoln. This week, I sit down with Lynn McNally, CEO of Nebraska Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association, to talk about the first year of operations at War Horse Casino and the exciting plans that lie ahead. McNally tells me she's pleased with the response they've received from Nebraskans so far. It's absolutely met our expectations. The frustration is the lack of square footage, but we're going to be addressing that. We've already broken ground on phase two, so that will be open, we're hoping, September of next year, which will double the size of the building, and we're building the parking deck at the same time. Now, if you've never been to War Horse, McNally takes you inside. We have around 420 slot machines. We've got a full-service sports betting window. We have 10 sports betting kiosks. And then we also offer full-service simulcast opportunities. You can watch horse races from all over the country. There's a seating area there, so you can stay and watch if you'd like to. In addition, we have a great bar where people come hang out on the weekends. And then we also have grab-and-go food service available as well. Also, if you're a smoker, that's okay. We have a smoking room in the back where you can play slots and smoke if you would like to. McNally says while the temporary casino is small, they have tried to accommodate everybody we we really did try you know we tried to maximize use of the space this used to be completely and totally simulcast and i'm really proud of how we've taken advantage of the square footage and used every square inch of it to really serve the customer mcnally tells me their research has found that people from all over the state are coming to lincoln to place bets and have a good time there are a lot of people obviously from the lincoln beatrice area that are coming there are people coming from omaha reliably and actually they're still driving from Grand Island which surprised me a little bit because they've got a facility open there. We do have especially on Husker weekends out-of-state people that come. Now she talked about it a little bit earlier but McNally says phase two of their expansion is underway and will be completed by next September. She says they'll double the size of the current building to the north. We'll go from 420 slot machines to 900 total gaming positions. That will also include table games. So September of next year, you'll be able to play blackjack and all those other games you love if you'd like to. She says they're also working on the new Legacy Downs racetrack that will feature four racing dates in the summer of 2024. 
She says a lot of work has to be done before it's ready to go next spring. Building barns, building a jockey's quarters, building a place for the racing commission to be, all of the things that go along with it. We're also hoping to build an RV park so that horsemen can come and live here for the summer and into the fall. McNally says all of this is leading up to the third and final phase of construction. It'll be over 1,400 gaming positions with tons of table games. It'll be something for everyone. We'll have several restaurant options. It'll be a destination casino, and I just can't wait. And there will also be a brand new hotel, and she says half of the nearly 200 rooms will have a view of the racetrack. So we would anticipate during racing season, those rooms will be used primarily for viewing suites rather than sleeping rooms, but obviously they can be used for both. But we will be the only racetrack in the country that has rooms where you can watch on the finish line from your room. She says bringing back live horse racing to Nebraska has been a long-time goal. It's going to be the resurgence of racing in the state of Nebraska. For those of us who remember Exarbin, it's heartbreaking that it's not there anymore, but Lincoln will be our new Exarbin, and it'll be the, the centerpiece of racing in the state of Nebraska. McNally says all in all, she's pleased with the first year of operations at Warhorse. She says one of the biggest frustrations is the state regulation that prohibits customers from placing bets on Nebraska or Creighton home games. Now, she says she'll work to get that changed during the upcoming legislative session. Nebraska regulations also prohibit online and mobile wagering, but she says customers can use Warhorse's app to build out wagers ahead of time before coming to the casino and placing the bet. Hear Tom's talk Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 6.55 or listen to the podcast anytime at KLIN.com. Time saver traffic. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 3, KLIN. All right, welcome back, 709. 44 degrees in the capital city as uh, we are settling in for a nice, long, several day stretch of. Nice fall weather, warmer at the beginning, a little cooler uh, at the end, but not, you know, definitely not cold, definitely not winter. This is the kind of kind of shorts and hoodie stuff that we've all been wanting for the fall. It's just coming a little later. It's coming in November instead of a long stretch in October, but we will we will take it. Um, well, we haven't we haven't gotten into it much so far. I haven't allowed myself to think about it a whole lot so far this weekend, Kayla, but. Nebraska football falls short in East Lansing and drops the game 20 to 17. And so bowl eligibility and any celebration that goes along with that from this fan base will have to wait. But the question now is with what we saw on Saturday, can Nebraska still get there? There are some who think. That Nebraska can't, I heard from them plenty on Saturday after the game. They were very, very upset with the whole thing. Or is this just a blip on the radar? Well, what do you make of what happened against Michigan State on Saturday? I guess, Caleb, I've got I've got two thoughts, and I'm and then I'll I'll see what you think as well. But right now you've got a an 
obviously an offense that is way down in terms of who's able to play. And so that's no matter no matter what, that's going to impact things. But the other thing that you've got on top of that, and so you've got already that's kind of a, a place that you're in with a, a lack of experience and a lot of people who have been thrust into duty that uh, weren't necessarily expected to be. But beyond that, you've got a quarterback in Heinrich Harburg who seems to me that he's getting, he's looking less comfortable at the quarterback position as his experience increases at the quarterback position. And there were times on Saturday where it looked, it looked like he was doing a lot of thinking out there um, and having a hard time making decisions, right? When it came to this, he was getting, of course, he was getting some pressure. He was getting a lot of pressure from Michigan State defensive line, um, but not making kind of quick, clean decisions in terms of whether to throw or to run and never quite looking like he was going full go with a lot of it, which is concerning. And I think that can be a function of a few things, in part probably his his own physical health. I think he's probably a, a little bit banged up at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's probably got that in the back of his head as well now with running and taking hits and sliding and not sliding and those sorts of things as well. And that makes for... a that kind of indecision or discomfort in the pocket when pressure is coming can lead to, I mean, it's an issue. It's an issue right now for this offense, plain and simple. Turnovers are still a major issue for this. I mean, just the barrage of turnovers are a huge issue as well. And then we knew those things, I think, but you then also had Michigan State's offense was able to get a few big chunk plays and have a little bit of success mm-hmm. passing the ball. And Nebraska's defense did not play the proverbial near perfect game that we've seen from them in the past. And if Nebraska's offense is going to do the turnovers, going to do do those sorts of issues, the Nebraska defense has to pitch the equivalent of a no hitter. And you know, I think they pitched a a good game, but a four or five hitter probably in this game against Michigan State and. So the question is, which side of that is going to be able to to improve over the course of the next few weeks? Because one of them is going to have to. You're going to have to get the, essentially the perfect game from the defense, or you're going to have to have the offense stem the turnovers and have some some ability to move the ball more significantly. Your thoughts on, on this? Okay. Well, as I wrote on Saturday, there was... There was no phase of the ball that did particularly well. You can add in special teams. Yeah, Tristan Alvano hit his only field goal attempt, but punts were bad. Punt return, they just rolled out a hobbled Billy Kemp and said, catch it so it doesn't go behind you. And then at the end of the game, brought in Ethan Nation, who looked excited to try to pick up a return, got three yards, and you're thinking, well, gosh, that... That seems a little bit better than some of these where you're catching it at your own seven or mm-hmm. inside your own five. So, so I'd, I'd add a third phase of the game needs to That's definitely true. improve over the course of this week. I think the biggest difference you're seeing from Heinrich Harburg those first couple of games to now is he's trying to go through and calculate things a lot more than just playing. Yes. Yeah. On top of opposing defenses now have tape on him. Like they, you didn't initially have a whole lot of tape. You could guess a little bit, 
And then, then he'd make a couple of throws, and you go, okay, well, now we have to adjust and do this. Now defenses know, well, with Nebraska's offense, not just because of the quarterback, but also their pass catchers, who have had a number of drops or, or things of that, have had those other issues, just load up the box and try to take away the run and live with some guys in space, and there will be times that maybe they beat you, and but you're going to load things up and just try to take away the run because if Nebraska can't run, the offense really won't get moving, and eventually they're going to hang a ball out there with one of the passes. You saw it, you saw it happen again on Saturday. Um, now, I, th- I think that, that first interception, the, the arm punt on third down, it looked like because, and I think you could see from some of the conversations, that it looked like when Michigan State's corner fell down, the route was supposed to come back to the inside, and it's right when that corner falls down that Harburg lets that ball go. Even still, there's a safety sitting back there. But I think if he has that ball for a fraction of a second longer, he can see there's nobody towards the boundary. Mm -hmm. And that's what the wide receiver read and just stayed outside, so that's why it just looked like that ball was to nobody. Still, it ends up being a not-great read. And you have a lot of other not great reads where it's a ball into double, triple coverage, but there's someone running across the middle wide open. Like there's so many of those where the field is just not being seen, and defenses have figured out if it's an obvious passing situation, make sure someone's up there so that Harburg can't run, but just put a bunch of guys out there, spread them out all over the field. You don't have to man coverage, you can just zone all over the place. And the ball is not going to be thrown really well the majority of the time. For the defense, did not tackle well. Gave up the, the chunk runs. That was the biggest thing that surprised me. Not not the passing that Michigan State was able to do. It was the chunk runs. Because the had Purdue caught passes the way Michigan State did, that's a lot of what Purdue's offense would have looked like the week before. They just dropped so many of them that their offense looked even more inept. Michigan State's receivers were catching those balls that Nebraska was leaving open. That More or less, that's the way Nebraska's offense is designed, except for the chunk runs. Now, they end up with 60-something. Yeah, they and, only got 63 yards rushing um, and they lost 31 attempts. They lost 20 on three sacks, so it, it's somewhere They only there. got three first downs rushing. Yeah, so like overall, the rushing so, game wasn't, wasn't great for Michigan State. It just looked good enough in spurts that it helped out their passing game because then when you go and you you pitch it back there it's a halfback pass but it's a wide receiver with former Husker Elante Brown yeah. you go okay the 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 rushing game we're, we're not stopping it at the same rate ultimately they ended up doing that because Michigan State realized they could go away with it and, and their guys were making catches but there was a lot of guys that then get committed to that ball carrier Mm-hmm. And somebody's open downfield, and you yeah. you just didn't have the tackling. I, I think the effort was still there. I don't think that was an issue. Just there was just something flat. Yeah, yeah, uh, it wasn't. Yeah, there was there there were just a few more issues on the defense, and like I said, it wasn't a it wasn't necessarily a bad performance. It just wasn't the perfect game, which you almost have to have when the offense is is turning the ball over, mm-hmm. and when the field position isn't there from special teams. Those two things. So they've got a, I mean, it's it's not a complex situation. And and by the way, this is like, you know, Harburg is, is Harburg's the guy at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever, with whatever he brings to the table. And so you've got a 
put that offense in a position where he's able to play to his strengths, which is not what was happening with the game situation against Michigan State. But to do that, you've got to play the field position game. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that if you're not going to return any punts or get any punts off, right? You've got, like, there's a model to win this, but all three, you know, special teams and defense have to completely do their parts Mm -hmm. or the offense has to not turn it over. You can't, you can't have those little foibles in all all three of the phases of those games. Yeah, this is how you've got to put together a win with with this team. If you catch a punt at your four yard line, yeah, you go three and out and then punt it thirty four yeah, yards. You can't do that. Yeah. Well, well, you just you just gave them everything on the field by not trying to put out anyone who is either going to right. let that ball go into the end zone. There's plus sixteen on your yards immediately, or I don't know what's going. Like Brian Buschini hasn't had a bad year. But it's not anywhere close to what he did last year. It, it, it's so suboptimal for what he's yeah, capable. of. And he had a key, a couple of key ones that just weren't weren't great. Got and then one got partially blocked too. Although that wasn't that bad of a punt. The one yeah. that was partially blocked. But yeah, you've got to the offense. You know, to some degree, Caleb, I'm, the offense is what it is. You've got to you've got to cut down on the turnovers, mm-hmm. though, right? You, the offense is not. If this offense is in a position where it really has to be a significant passing attack, it's it's going to have issues. Mm-hmm. I think that's clear between between the pressure, between the turnovers, interceptions, uh, those sorts of things. That'll be an issue, and so you've got to get them, put them in good positions where they can feel comfortable running the ball, getting the ball to tailbacks, right? Not depend, not overly depending on Heinrich Harburg to run the ball. Emmett Johnson, Anthony Grant, Fleeks, those those guys. And Emmett Johnson has run well. Yeah, Emmett Johnson in this game went for, let's see, he had 13 for 57. So, you know, okay. An okay day there. Um, but I I feel like get the offense in good field position. Man, that field position on those punts is huge. Mm-hmm. It's just huge here going forward. And turnover avoidance. And then if the de- and and again in this game the defense didn't cause a turnover no right they, again they played okay but you di- you're gonna have to have them again it is a really clear blueprint to winning these games now mm-hmm. for this team it's just you, you've got to you can't have you can't not execute on multiple parts of it mm-hmm. right it's a conservative offense that doesn't turn the ball over good special teams field position play and then the defense you're right and then. The, the defense doing what they they need to do according to that, and either just being the complete, you know, not allowing touchdowns like they did against Northwestern, um, or getting turnovers, getting a few turnovers from them, and that's going to allow you to win. I think all of these games um, potentially at least give you a chance in all yeah. of the games. It should be if you can do the, if you can put together all three of those phases. Yeah, Mi- Michigan State, and they've been trying to do that for a while. Uh, Michigan State has had two games this year. Where they did not turn the ball over, Jeez. Central yes. Michigan and Nebraska, right? And they they won both of those games. Nebraska, and it's not even don't turn the ball over at all. We're 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 just asking to limit the turnovers. Right. You you had three on Saturday. Can you make that one? Right. Like can can you get that down to where it's it's just the one, maybe two, and then your defense get at least a takeaway? Because if you remove one of Nebraska's turnovers and you add one from the other side like there's your game and yes you can get into the there's a lot to talk about go to social media go to any message board i get it 
there were a lot of missed opportunities for the officials to oh, to to that's true. I'm not, help with things throughout the game. That was bad. There was some bad stuff. And yes, had so, some calls gone the way that they should have, Nebraska still got a, a shot at this thing too. Yeah. I would say that as well. And and that's why if you go to KLIN.com and you read my my recap. I start out with that. The uncontrollables for Nebraska. You cannot control what review says. You cannot control that there's not a flag thrown when Malachi right. Coleman gets hit five <laughs> yards before the ball comes down. You cannot control the, the non-face mask call. You can't control the fact that it should have been an incomplete pass on the second-to-last play or that the play previous to that, it should have been a first down with and the, the clock, clock stopped. They should have had to, like, 30 more seconds. So there's all of those things that you cannot control. But on top of all of that, Nebraska did not help themselves in a single phase of the game. That, that, that doesn't give the officials an out, but there, was, there were all of those things that happened, and Nebraska still should have won that game if they get average special teams play, yeah. if, if they get the, the defense with a single takeaway. The offense is a little bit more reeled in with just throwing the ball up at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, but no, I agree with you, but that especially, I don't, for some reason, the pass interference call to me was the most egregious of all of them. That, that was I don't think so I've ever seen it. And Well, the face mask, too, uh, that they didn't call as well. I kind of had a feeling that touchdown, they weren't going to give it to Nebraska, even though everybody else seemed to be sure. Or they, they were going to give it to Michigan State, even though everyone else, but that pass, I've never seen anything like that in a pass interference that was not even like a... You needed to see a slow motion to see it happen. It was just bang, run into him, and the ball drops uh, two yards from him. It yeah. was crazy. It's crazy. But Nebraska got a chance. You pick up this one against Maryland at home, um, and the Michigan State thing is a distant memory here at this point. And got a couple games to look forward. But Maryland's looked really good at times this year and looked not that great at times this year. We'll see which one shows up in Lincoln on Bowl Saturday. Bowl eligible at home. That, that'd feel pretty that'd good, though, too. That'd be fun. 11 a.m. on Saturday at 725. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Peacocks belong in the zoo, not your billing statement. Every Husker game is free on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's count them down today, starting with number five. The family of a 35-year-old Lincoln man asking the public's help in trying to locate him. He went for a run Friday and hasn't returned. Tyler Goodrich's family put out the call for help on social media. He's described as six foot two inches tall, 180 pounds, last seen wearing gray pants, a gray shirt, and a Garmin watch. Social media posts indicated his phone was last located near West Van Dorn Street, just west of South Folsom. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit a bit of an odd story that just gone out for a run. We don't know a whole lot more than that, and. Basically, the information that we've got on this, Mark, right now is from the family's own postings on social media requesting help at this point. In fact, they're telling people to contact the sheriff's office. Um, And then the the Journal Star had a little write-up on this, uh, and they said that the sheriff's office confirmed that it's aware of the report, but didn't say whether it's investigating. They haven't heard from LPD on this as well. I'm going to guess we hear more from... Uh, either or both law enforcement entity here a little bit later this morning on this as well. But 
This is all over social media right now. We'll certainly uh, including ask pictures it. of him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, pictures of him. And uh, like you said, they, they did have a, a ping on his phone. Um, like you said, near West Van Dorn Street, just west of South Folsom Road. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what happened with the phone then, if it runs out of battery, if it was turned off, it was, if it was, you couldn't figure out where it was after that as well. But that's the last location that they've got on him there. So we'll be listening for more detail on that today and more information perhaps from law enforcement later today. Number four. A new special prosecutor reviewing the police probe into the alleged break-in during the 2022 transition between the old and new leadership team at the Nebraska Republican Party at their headquarters downtown. Lincoln lawyer Ryan Swaroff, a former prosecutor with Lancaster County and with the Attorney General's office, was tapped to replace special prosecutor Kim Noringler. Yeah. Um, So he, and that's because he was hired... Uh, Norlinger uh, was hired as for the Nebraska Commission on Public Adv- Advocacy. That's a public defender's office, right? So that so there he's handing off some of his former cases as he changes jobs to go there, and so he's passing it off to this new attorney um, who apparently has done some some kind of prosecution, but she's actually mainly a family law attorney. And he hasn't said the, the 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 first, the initial special prosecutor, the one who's leaving, really hasn't said anything at this point about the investigation. In fact, Mark, I kind of forgot that this was happening. So did did you? Yeah. <laughs> until did. until this was out today from Nebraska Examiner. Excuse me, Nebraska Examiner. At this point, that, that's another so, one. <laughs> yes, actually, I guess it, the appointment was about a month, over a month ago. Yeah. So early October. So we just we ju- I I wonder I wonder what's going on in this whole thing right now because remember the police looked into this and they said that there wasn't there wasn't a crime that had happened here and then you had Tom Nesbitt remember he he got up and said during a GOP meeting he that he did not agree with that assessment he's got a, a career in law enforcement um, as well and so now you got this special prosecutor looking into this whole thing. And, the, and they said security cameras were gone, physical, digital files. Um, they, you know, there were there were some people who was were accusing, of course, the, the, some some bitterness in the changeover of GOP leadership that all happened during the course of this time as well. Yeah, that happened when that this uh, is what summer twenty twenty two. So this is over a year ago now at this point. Yeah, you may remember uh, the party tried to keep some people out. Uh, some arrests were made. And, yeah, at, at uh, in Carney, and and then the old guard staff uh, reportedly took the you know what they said was belonged to campaigns and to individual candidates. And, yeah. Uh, so the county attorney got the initial. Special prosecutor in February. This has been yep. nine months. Yeah, that's. I, I just forgot about it. What's happening? What's happening with well, this thing other than someone new taking over? That's my question here. That's about all is we there, know. Is there is there something there or not? I mean, I guess if they're continuing it and they're putting a new special prosecutor in, but I would gonna guess if you're gonna get a new special prosecutor up to speed and going on this whole thing, it's not gonna be something that's gonna be. Going forward quickly, but I would also say if they weren't going to do anything, they would have said that by now at this point, too. Yeah. 
So, I don't know. I don't know. What's going on here with, with all of this? Maybe it we'll doesn't hear, smell quite right. Maybe we'll hear something new from the special prosecutor uh, as she gets going on on this whole thing. But she's got to figure out what what's going on here. For Maybe it's been one month that she's already had a chance to do that, yeah, as you mentioned. But. All right, moving on. Number three. Busy agenda for the council meeting this afternoon. Lincoln Electric uh, looking for a rate increase. Should increase most of its customers around $5 a month, 3.7% oh, increase. Uh, Channel 8's got the full story posted at their website. Uh, this was coming off last year, uh, what was an increase of 4.8% last year, system-wide increase as well, and that was then due to increases in power and transmission cost, kind of a similar uh, you know, a couple tenths of percentage points that this is different, or 1% different here from this one. This is a little bit smaller, but they're saying that this has more to do with recruiting and retaining employees than it does energy costs, which are actually down now yeah. in this situation. Well, the workforce issues uh, just continue to plague a lot of different entities, including now LAS. So there'll be a public hearing on this. Uh, if it would be approved, it would take effect on January 1st of 2024. They'll be voting in a couple weeks on this as well. So. And, of course, LAS just uh, appointed or uh, the council approved the appointment of a new uh, CEO oh. a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And, S- significant and there's, there. There's some people there saying that uh, his compensation may be included in this increase. So, All right. Well, we'll uh, be prepared for those potential the potential of those electric bills to be going up in 2024 once again. Moving on. Number two. Well, Penn State pushed the number one Husker volleyball team to five sets, but then yesterday it was a sweep in uh, at Rutgers, and they still remain unbeaten. Man. Six straight sets? I mean, that happens when you lose the first two on Friday. I, you know, I just... Caleb, I thought if there was going to be kind of a post-excitement of Wisconsin hangover game, it would be this Penn State match because it's beyond Nebraska and Wisconsin. They're probably the best team in the league, right? Nebraska already got them once this year. You're going to a, um, you know, a tough road environment in that one on a Friday night. We all know about traveling to Penn State, and so... Once I saw them get down two to zero, although I've got kind of never ending confidence in Nebraska's ability always to come back, I did start to kind of wonder. I was like, well, I kind of wondered if this match was going to come. And, you know, no matter what, at some point this season, just because you can't keep this up forever. And so you started to let yourself think that. I had the same thoughts. But, uh, but on the other hand, there's just, there's just part of me that have seen, have seen this movie too many times. Where it looks like they're they're buried on the road in a tough environment and they're not, and John Cook's teams just come through, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I mean, I don't know, I don't need to tell you this, but Merritt Beeson is very, 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 very good, and I I commented on this to my wife while we were watching the match yesterday. I said, you know, a lot of times during this year, it's kind of felt like there's not not necessarily like a superstar on this team. That you've got so many people that are contributing, um, and that it kind of switches from night to night. I don't know, Caleb. I'm starting to. It's and this is no degradation to any other player on the team, but it's 
Merritt Beeson is starting to look like she is, you know, she is the the star, the go-to on this team right now. Um, yes. Just the way that she's played the last couple of the, weeks. The way and that's not about anybody else being, but that's just about her elevating her no, play and, here. And, there's, and, then, and you'll see you'll see a lot of different times. Becca Alec will come up clutch at different times. Right. You'll see Andy Jackson get some good swings. Right. Obviously, we've seen what Harper Murray did in that fifth set against Wisconsin. Yeah, right. But, but when you're looking at just overall... Who is kind of leading? The, there's a reason that she came in year one and she, she's a captain. She is just... Twi- how's about this? At Penn State, 27 kills. And not just get like taking a whole bunch of swings and ends up with 27 kills. She hit 426. Right. She had kills on half of her swings. And then you go to a sweep and you think, okay, in a sweep there's less opportunities. She had 21 kills. Yeah. She was just the national player of the year a week ago. And then she put together 48 kills, over 400 hitting across two matches. There's a really good chance we find out Big Ten Player of the Week today and a good chance National Player of the Week whenever that's announced today or tomorrow. Yeah, she's she's just got she's gotten to an incredible level of where she's she's playing right now. Here's what the schedule looks like if you're wondering about this. So, oh, and by the way, they were doing some just like. Harlem Globetrotters type stuff against Rutgers <laughs> in that match. I mean, it was some of the stuff that they pulled off was was really impressive. I'm pretty in that sure match. I saw Andy Jackson hit over a block. Yeah, there was some crazy <laughs> stuff in that match. So uh, they come back to Lincoln on Wednesday against Northwestern. Then they've got Illinois in Lincoln on Sunday. Then they've got Michigan on Lincoln in Lincoln on Friday, November 17. Okay, so three home matches in a row. All against teams they've already beaten once this year, correct? Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. they played all three of them. Um, and then you go to Iowa, who's winless in the Big Twelve, right now or Big Ten right now. Mm-hmm. So Iowa doesn't have a win yet. That's what you got before Wisconsin, Caleb. John Cook doesn't want me to say this, don't be, but they should get to Wisconsin unbeaten. Okay, they I would be I would be fairly surprised if they don't get to Wisconsin unbeaten with that schedule for that. A couple of things about that. Number one, it sets up for another huge match. Number two, if, I mean, I think, Caleb, barring something almost unthinkable happening, they're pretty much locked in now for a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Unless you're dropping, it's like two of these matches here in those next four, which would be, any one of them would be massive shocks here at this point for them to drop either of those. So they are looking really, really good for staying at home not only for round one and two, but for round three and four of the NCAA tournament before going, if they would go, get through that, going to Tampa. I, I would say even if they lost two of this group, and let's say you, you throw in a loss to Wisconsin, maybe I still, would still be. Yeah. I still think they're a top four. They also what, have at Minnesota on at the end too. Yeah, with, so. like with what they've done so far this season, you beat Wisconsin right. in, in part one of part one of at least two on the year. That match at Penn State, like that's a big one yeah. to go into they, there and do that record crowd at the wreck, and like they they made it their whiteout match. There was a lot that went into that. That the selection committee, you can see with the RPI Nebraska on top of that, the schedule continues to set up for Nebraska. You get a uh, you get some big matches, and then you get a ramp right back up into some big matches. And like you said. They hit that big match with Penn State. Now they get to ramp themselves back up into those final two, Black Friday, and then that sa- that Thanksgiving Saturday. And then, and then because you'll be such a high seed, potentially the top overall seed, your first weekend of the NCAA tournament 
is then your ramp back up right. into that second weekend. Right. Yeah, that Black Friday, guys, is going to be crazy. You could have potentially Nebraska still playing, could be playing still for bowl eligibility and having one last shot. Hopefully they've got it by then. <laughs> In another scenario, they win two when they're playing for the Big Ten West Championship, mm-hmm. which is also still fairly out there, weirdly enough, after everything that happened last weekend. And then you're following it right up after that match straight into Nebraska-Wisconsin volleyball. Didn't uh, vo- didn't volleyball get a commit over the weekend, too? Uh, basketball got basketball. a commit basketball. over the yep. weekend. Yep. I just saw something about a commit. Yeah, yep, women's Brit- basketball. Britt Prince, Elkhorn North. Okay. Yep. Top player in the state uh, has led Elkhorn North to repeated state champ. Was it three state championships? Three in a row, three going for four this uh, this winter. Yep. All right, moving on. Number one. Well, a lot of us gripe about the lack of sleep after the clock spring forward. The extra, well, it's not an extra hour of darkness when you fall back, but it changes on the <laughs> clock. Uh, but it is a little painful, according to researchers. And here's one that I didn't was not aware of: crime spikes across the U.S. in the weeks after. Saving time ends. But what? Just because it's darker earlier, and it, you, people feel more crimey when it's dark. Uh, many types of theft, according to FBI statistics. Or is it just that everyone's in a bad mood about it, and yeah, so they're more that's they're it. more likely to commit crimes as well? Robberies yeah. and vehicle thefts thefts hit their highest spikes and are more likely to occur after daylight saving time ends. Raw rise of robberies, eighty one percent. You know. I, guys, I haven't put out my my twice a year guide to what it would be like if we adopted full time daylight saving time or full time standard time, and see if people want it. But I may have to do that again today. I'm still on the full time daylight saving bandwagon. And I'm on the full time regular, right? Normal. But I would take either of those over what we've got. Yes, I would take either of those over what we've got here. I don't want to. Fall- I did not like sunset, and we're at the park. Sun's getting low, and it's. 515. Sunset this evening at 517. Yeah. And we still got a month of that getting earlier too, don't we? Yes. Before month and month and change to hit about the winter solstice. Yeah, about 6 weeks. And then the days start going the other direction again. Uh yeah, I was very I was very disoriented at about 615 last night. <laughs> Like, is it time for bed? What's going on here? What is it? Why hasn't the football game started yet? Very confusing. All right, that's it for your morning drive. That is brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on Lincoln's News and Talk 1499 KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499 K-L-I-N. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. You want to play fantasy Huskers this week? You got to get a pick. How do you get a pick? Well, text us right now at 402-479-1400 with this keyword. Pain. P-A-I-N. Pain. Text it into 402-479-1400. We will pick one of you to get pick number two in the Fantasy Huskers draft. And you will be asked the question, what is Nebraska's longest passing play from scrimmage against Maryland? So the answer will be a number of yards. What will Nebraska's longest passing play be against Maryland? We've got one guess in so far. Carla says 39 yards. 39 yards. Uh, Caleb and I talked about this. We thought this was an interesting one because we are of the belief that the answer to this question really fairly reasonably could be anywhere from, I don't know, 15, 20 yards 
all the way up to 70 yards. And I guess it always, that always could be the case. But I think that's especially true of the way that this offense can be boom or bust with the passing game. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where all of the uh, all of the picks end up here on this one. 402-479-1400. Text on the word pain if you want to try and get a pick. Well, I don't know how many of you out there are still having the hangover effects of daylight saving time. Like, it's not, for me, this is just me, and I know it's not the case with everyone, uh, but for me, again, my sleep life is so generally dysfunctional that one hour in one direction doesn't completely screw things up. Things are already screwed up, so I don't know if they can get further screwed up. But I know a lot of people don't feel that way, and especially people with small kids uh, dealing with that. And so you might be wondering... Once again, because I always do when this comes up again, you might be wondering, and by the way, Tim Ruza uh, is uh, off with us today. He'll be back here on Monday once again. Still have Mike Schaefer coming up here in 20 minutes. But you might be wondering, hey, didn't the Senate didn't the Senate do something that one spring, that one March, and they pass something? To. They and were they trying to. They were trying. They did, in fact, okay. pass in March of 2022. The Sunshine Protection Act, which is the best name ever for a bill. I've never wanted to vote for a bill more than the Sunshine Protection Act. I agree. No matter, you know, no matter what's in it. But um, it looked like it was going to actually happen. They passed the bill through an expedited process with unanimous consent, which they don't do very often. But it never got taken up in the House. You had some higher priority things, budget deficit, wars around the world. Those sorts of things. Um, Nothing happened, so the House didn't take it up. So Senator Rubio reintroduced the bill this March, March of 2023. It goes to the Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, but there's been no notable movement on it since. There's a companion bill that's been introduced by Representative Vern Buchanan, a Republican from Florida, is also similarly stuck in committee at the House level at this point. And so... You're now when it looked like there was something happening in September of 2022. Um, you've gone back to square one on this, and you just have two bills that are languishing in committee at this point. And even if it would pass both chambers, which it did in the Senate, I don't know if it would in the House now. Uh, at this point, um, I don't know what would the president sign it. I'm not sure. So i I don't I don't know that there's any I don't know that there's any real imminent anything imminent coming from congress on this whole thing so what about state what about doing this at the state level the uniform time act was passed in 1966 says states can enact permanent standard time but not permanent daylight saving time for some reason uh that they 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 did that and so you have 19 states that have actually passed measures pledging to switch from to permanent daylight time if congress changes the rule to allow them to do that so they've said, we're doing this if Congress allows us, just us, to do this on our own without doing it federally. Those states are Alabama, Colorado, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, Washington, Wyoming. Um, California, California voters also authorized a resolution in 2018, but that's still languishing in the legislative process <laughs> as well. Nine states were considering legislation as well as of this fall that would end daylight saving time and but switching the year to standard time those are Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New York, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vermont. So they're saying we'll go the other way 
uh, or we'll do this at this point, but they're all pending. So this is still happening for the time being for a while. And as of right now, you're going to have to have federal government action on this to, to have a significant change. And it doesn't look like it's immediately in the cards. Maybe things will change in time. Cause so, right. Cause right now we're on standard time, right? We are. Um, yes. We've switched back to standard. Okay. Correct. Yeah, I believe so. I believe that's what it would, uh, what it would be. So that's what we're at. Yes. Well, and let me go back. Yeah. You're, 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 um, you would have, yeah, that's exactly right. We're on standard right now. If you went full-time, so here are the arguments, again, for full-time standard and full-time daylight, which always come up this time of year, and there are some people who say, hey, I would take either of those other than what we're doing right now. Maybe there's some people who still love what we're doing right now. I'm not sure. But here's the the problem, I say in, in air quotes, if you go full-time standard. You would still have... What some people don't like about the current situation, what they most don't like about the current situation, and that is sunset tonight at 517 or whatever it is. Yep. And by the time you get to December, sunset in the 4 o'clock hour. You will still have that if you want full-time standard. What you would also have with full-time standard is the sun coming up before 5 a.m. in June and July. Which would be interesting. You would also not have the late nights of sunlight in the summer. Okay, so you would have your latest sunset of the entire summer would be in July, just after 8 p.m. So that's what full-time standard looks like. Like July 1st in Lincoln, this is, the sunrise would be 4.59 a.m. And the sunset would be 8.01 p.m. Okay? And on December 1st, it would be what it is currently right now it would be 7 31 a.m sunrise 4 59 p.m sunset so like full-time standard really doesn't excite me no. it really doesn't excite me i mean There's, i like the lights i don't, the lights. I, like, I, don't like, I like anything about that i like the lights on for baseball i don't really like anything else that comes with the sunset that I, early in the summer and again i am very sunset focused as opposed to sunrise focused because i am in this room during sunrise yeah every day outside of about two weeks of the year so that's that's my own biases on this and why <laughs> i come out but yeah what what you would get is you would not have a sunrise that is ever after what like seven well, January first would be seven fifty, which is where it normally is. It would never be, it would never be later than that. But it would be as early as four fifty seven in June. Okay, so what are the advantages, disadvantages of full time daylight? If we were going to do that, then in my mind, an advantage is that you do not ever have a sunset prior to five thirty p.m. The earliest that you would get it is in December, and it's around five five fifty. 540-ish, 545-ish p.m. That's the early. So you're never having, you're never having the pre-5 o'clock sunset. To me, that's an advantage. Um, now, the disadvantage, the primary disadvantage to full-time daylight is people who are sun, sunrise-focused. Mm-hmm. Because you would have days in the winter, including January 1st, where your sunrise Caleb, eight fifty one a.m. 
Okay. We'd still be in the dark right now. Okay, cool. You know, actually, December 1st would be 831. We'd still be in the dark as it stands right now. We'd be in the dark <laughs> at 831. And that brings up obvious issues, you know, parents who are sending kids to school, those sorts of things as well. And so I don't know, like, you'll have some dispute between people who want to change between those two things. And I think that's primarily related to if they're sunset focused or sunrise focused. That's the primary delineation between these two. I think people who are sunset focused are more likely to like daylight. People who are sunrise focused uh, are more likely to like standard. That, Paul, brings up one pro to permanent standard. Okay. Fourth of July. You're lighting, of July. The, you're lighting well, those oh, fireworks off a little bit earlier. You're getting them, you're getting going at 8, because I've got July 1st. That's 4.59 a.m. to 8.01 p.m., so it would be right in that range. Start earlier, I mean, maybe I'm, take an hour off the end. I'm going to hate it for every other day, but, man, for that day that everyone goes out shooting fireworks, you can have it going, and at 8.30, 9 o'clock, it's dark. How, but how tough are winter mornings? How tough is January 10th after Christmas is over? And it's five below, and the sun isn't coming up till almost eight o'clock. How tough is that for people? Meh. Or until almost nine o'clock. I, sorry, almost nine o'clock. Again, I get why people care. I just don't. And yeah, that's the, the thing. The but I know, like that, my but... wife would disagree with it. She can't stand when it's dark late into the morning. My so. wife, see, so my wife, like, she gets up, she takes our daughter to daycare. Like, she has to do all the morning stuff at home. Right. I get out of it by being here. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of right. how I look at it. Right. She also hates early sunset. She wants this to go deeper into the, into evening. the evening. So we so we can take our daughter person. out to play. We can take our daughter or our dogs for a walk. Our yes. daughter technically too, but like there are things that we want to do when we're both off of work that we can't when there's such an early sunset. Right. And then there are some people who look at these, these, you know, the, the sort of the chart in the times that I was just reading you from, and they say their conclusion is, well, what we really need to do is just shift a half hour, just go, go about halfway between like take daylight, but move it back, move it back a half hour, uh, essentially. I don't know about that either. I don't, none of them are perfect. None of, none of them are, are perfect at all. But I would still air. I think I would air daylight first, and and like I don't get as bo- I don't get as bothered by turning back the clock and four of the clock as a lot of people do. Probably as the majority of people do. So I honestly, Caleb, who this is going to make some people mad. I think I would probably take the current system over standard. So if you were to rank, the, I would. The, the three, I would go there. There's permanent daylight, permanent standard. Keep I, it. I think I would go daylight one, keep it two, standard three. I would go. I might. I just. Uh, I go daylight one, standard two, and then keep, keep it, it three. You are you're that much against keeping it. Why are you why are you against keeping it so much? Like, what's I, the I, worst thing I about hate it? The, like the the change just messes up See, so much from sleep. Especially we've got two dogs, we got a daughter, but for myself included, like I feel like I feel crummy. See, I just don't have that. I don't. I don't. Again, and it's because I'm already screwed up so much, so dysfunctional already oh, sleep wise. Right, yeah. So I don't. It doesn't, that's not the reason for me personally. I get why it is. Mine's just manipulating things to get what I want, which is more light at night. Mm-hmm. That's all mine's about. Yeah. Really. Uh, which is, that's a, that's, that's one side of the whole thing. And I realize I'm not the only one who is, <laughs> who is thinking about this whole thing, but 
I don't know. When's the Nebraska legislature going to do something on this? They've talked about it. When are we going to? When something? Gonna, when are they going to at least join that list of states that saying, "Hey, we'll go to daylight when Congress allows us to"? I thought they did that. that they if, weren't if, on that list. I thought they that they, I just read. Or I know they had something up that was if if so many states around them changed that they would too. Well, the the nineteen of the states pl- passed the measures pledging to switch to permanent daylight if Congress allows them to do that, which the Uniform Time Act right now does not allow them to do it. So. That's what's happening. Yeah, That's they had one this last spring. And what did it? Uh, what did that they had exactly Senator say? Senator Tom Breezy had had a, a bill going there, and I I don't think it went. Anywhere. It didn't. They're not, nothing. Yeah. To, they're all languishing in the legislative chambers around the country and in Washington D.C. Eight twenty five. Talon Kid hit with Jack and friends on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, making the catch of the ten five. That is a touchdown. Think 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 834. Welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN Monday morning. 49 degrees in the capital city on this November 6, 2023. And Husker 24-7 on the Friday Husker tailgates. Mike Schaefer joins us right now. Happy off of a uh, a weekend of his Vikings football team just I don't know just grabbing a new quarterback and playing him a couple of days later and just uh, somehow making a comeback when they had no idea what any of the plays were. Hi, Mike. How are you doing this morning? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. That was uh, a particularly fun Viking experience for me on Sunday. I, you know, like I I feel somewhat blessed. Like I was telling Josh Peterson this in our. In our National Fun League podcast, if I can plug something here, uh, I, I was telling him I get to root for a team that is endlessly interesting. It's not <laughs> like I grew up and decided to be like a Panthers fan or you know something like that, where it's like your team is never really all that relevant, or even like the Falcons to the uh, the Vikings beat on Sunday. Like you know they had their their little run with Matt Ryan and they obviously they made the Super Bowl when they beat the the Vikings in 1998 but for the most part no one really thinks about the Falcons true but for whatever reason the Vikings are this drug on Sundays that is just this incredible combination of what i have to assume is doing a uh, a, a line of cocaine and then riding a roller coaster <laughs> like that that has to be what the experience is and that's what it is for me as a fan i can't even imagine if you're just like you know what? I'm just going to randomly watch the Vikings or look at what the Vikings did. Well, every game is ridiculous. Yeah, There's something new every time. I was I was watching as no dog in the hunt and was just amazed uh, that you know you get a quarterback in who could not have known the playbook, and I still don't know how they did all of that. But nonetheless. Nonetheless, um, Nebraska did know the playbook on Saturday, uh, <laughs> and it didn't turn out theoretically didn't turn out quite as well. That's kind of rough, it was, man. Here's my question for you, Mike. Obviously, you can't have the comp in 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 the rest of the three games. You cannot have the combination that you had on Saturday of of the offense stru- struggling and turning the ball over. Um, the special teams just in a unable to use the punt game to 
put yourself in a good position, field position-wise, and then the defense giving up a few big plays. You can't have those three things. Maybe if you improve one or two of them, you're going to be fine, even if you don't improve all three of them. But you can't, you can't do all three of those in any of those games, once again. My question for you is, which one is going to be the easiest and most likely to fix and change for these next three matchups? Well, I mean, the one that they Nebraska dictated themselves is the one that probably has me the most, like, kind of just, yeah, I would point to it as, as one of the biggest reasons for the loss, and that was the special teams. I mean, they made the decision to put Billy Kemp in, who couldn't play wide receiver for you, but you just literally put him in to catch punch. Didn't matter what the distance was in front of him. Didn't matter the scenario. You just put him in to catch punt, and it really, I think, cost Nebraska a lot on Saturday. I mean, there was multiple times where it looked like he had room to run. Michigan State figured out almost immediately that he was no threat to punt. So their punter doesn't care about hang time. He doesn't care about anything. He's just trying to boom it as far as he can. And Nebraska is just simply fair catching every time. Then they're doing it inside the 10-yard line. I mean, there was so much... Uh, that happened in the punt return game that I felt like that cost them field position that critically matters. And you're talking about a team that just watched a kicker hit a 55 yarder. You remember what we talked about on the Friday night tail or Friday night, Friday night tailgate could be, that'd be fun. Too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we remember what we talked about on Friday. Like if you just give yourself an opportunity to allow, you know, a, a Tristan Alvano to, to kick for you once you cross say the 40 yard line, I mean, if we're talking about Nebraska starting drives at the 25 or the 5, yeah. those 20 yards of field position when it's tough for Nebraska to get any Great yards point. Times, Yeah, huge, huge deal. Good and point. so that's one that they can easily control. And then and this is a little bit out of their control because it's not like you're going to make a switch, and I don't know that you need to. And I certainly was high on him last year, but Brian Buscini has just really hurt this team at times with his inability to, to kick the football of any distance. I mean, I looked it up on Saturday night because I was just sort of aghast at how bad it went for him on Saturday. I think he had the, the second-worst punting performance of the day in a conference that's elite at punting. Like, that's not, you know, people can laugh at that, but this is the best conference in America for punting. Mm-hmm. And you see it every single Saturday, and you see it every team that you play. So if you have the worst or second-worst punting performance, it's going to affect you in your field position, it's going to hurt you. And, you know, Nebraska couldn't flip the field. Michigan State got to sit on them the entire second half because of the combination of Brian Buscini being unable to flip the field, Nebraska being unable to flip the field with their offense, and then Brian, or, excuse me, Billy Kemp, they're catching the ball at the five-yard line or the seven-yard line. Like, these are real things that you can fix that shouldn't have cost you in this game. And, you know, people can, can think I'm crazy – but I think that's worth three points. Like, I, I don't think you, at the very least, you're tied with an opportunity to, to keep playing that game, um, you know, or you, you maybe don't give away three points, so you're tied at 17. But to me, special teams alone is the thing that's the easiest fix for this staff. Uh, and it's something that I think won't be as much of an issue against Maryland uh, or maybe moving forward. I think they're going to figure out the punt return thing. Yeah. But – Really, that was the biggest sort of real piece of criticism what? I have. I did not understand that strategy at all, and I think it was a big failure. What does it say to you that they did have Ethan Nation available to do it and felt comfortable enough to have him do it on that last punt, but it didn't, makes no sense, didn't, Jack. It didn't makes prior to that? absolutely no sense. The most important time for someone to just secure the bag, right? Mm-hmm. When you have literally one possession, well, I mean, in Nebraska's case, I think they had 14 possessions in the final two minutes of that game, but... <laughs> 
you know, the, you have to get that ball, right? So that's the time where you think you need someone that's going to just catch it. So they clearly had confidence that Ethan Nation could do that, but they didn't give them any opportunities before. It doesn't make any logical sense when you think about it. Like, they have to have the ball there. That's the most important thing. And yet that's the opportunity where you put them in. Why? Because you needed the spark. Yeah. Put them in at the beginning of the game, and if they kick one of those boomers, there's 20 yards in front of them, there's your potential spark. Like, it's just a very confusing decision. It really is to me. Uh, that that part I agree with. I think on the on the, and I'm not really defending the the approach here by Nebraska on this, but I think of the Billy Kemp thing and the fielding them all. I think they had a few times earlier this year, and I can't remember all of the times. And I, I remember one very clearly against Minnesota at the beginning of the the game where he didn't field field one. And it got down at the one yard line. And it feels like, or the two yard line, or inside the five at least, it feels like that's happened somewhat frequently where Nebraska, you know, could have been starting at the 10 or the 12, but they were starting at the one or the two instead of that. And I feel like maybe they were trying to avoid that. Um, but there's got to be a line. I mean, there's got to be some line where, you know, inside the 10 yard line or at some place where you just don't feel it anymore, right? It's just, yeah. it, there's just got to be a cutoff there, I guess. I think if, if you're inside the 10 and the ball is still in the air, I think you got to take the 50-50 gamble on, you know, letting that thing potentially bounce into the end zone. Because then at the point we're talking about the critical difference between starting at the 6 and starting at the 1 or starting at the 2. Like, yes, you have a lot less space. Yes, there's a better chance of the safety. But ultimately, the huge, huge payoff is if that thing rolls through and you get a start with a touchback. So, mm-hmm. to me, I think with the ones that you're talking about, Jack, they felt more like they landed somewhere inside the 15 and then rolled to the one. Right. These balls were like still in the air, being caught at the six or seven yard line. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was. I just, I just, I think maybe that was a little bit of the motivation for it, which in principle I can agree with. You, but. You Absolutely right with that, though. Well, Rule had even said in postgame that some of it happened last week, that they wanted to avoid the ball rolling another 15, 20 yards, so they said just fair catch everything, but... There's got to be a line, like what exactly what Mike said. But there's just got to be a line yeah. somewhere where you say, okay, we're st- I mean we're giving up 20 yards um, when we do this mm-hmm. potentially too. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Like, there's a part of me, Mike, that when I, I think of the offense now, you know, just what you've got, the situation you've got with injuries with quarterbacks. There's a lot of it where I'm kind of saying it's it is what it is. But you've just got to you've got to figure out how not to turn it over in some ways. I, and I don't know. It's easier said than done. But I'm not sure what else. Like I, the only other the only other thing I've I've got is I just like to see more more tailback. Um, just even even more get them involved with low risk running plays. Right that aren't that aren't pitches that don't have Harburg getting beat up. That's the only other thing I can really add and and suggest for the offense right now because it's um, you know. It is what it is in a lot of ways. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like, there's no this is this is sort of the challenge of someone whose job it is to provide some sort of commentary on what we're watching. It's like the best thing I can say is we all have eyes, right? Know? Like, it's this sort of feels like what their offense is. And again, on Saturday, was it good? No, they still put up 17 points. They should have put up more points. The Heinrich Harburg did not have a good game at all, but he also needs to have help at times. I mean. <laughs> Whether that's the offensive line, I thought yes. the offensive line had a pretty poor game overall. Seven sacks, uh, you know, yeah, right. And some of those, you know, some of those are Harburg sacks. Like we, I don't yeah. want to say all seven of them were from the offensive line, but they also yielded a lot of pressure 
and they didn't play particularly well. There wasn't as many drops this week, but it's still, you know, Alex Bullock, man, third down, the best throw Heinrich Harburg has all day. Just drills you right in the chest on third and sixth and an opportunity to keep the drive going. And, like, maybe you still stall out, but if nothing else, you're moving the ball a little bit further down the field. You're giving yourself an opportunity. Third down drops are the worst. It feels like they count for five. Um, so that one, you know, is, is sort of a critical thing. It feels like they're just not ever going to be able to line it up and run directly at teams with the way that they're built on the offensive line or even sort of the pieces with Harburg and, and Emmett Johnson. And so they have to do a lot to kind of get teams going side to side and then try to hit them back up the middle. And so the run game for them isn't just a natural be able to turn around and hand it off to a running back and pick up five, six yards. Like that's They're very, very famine feast. Like they are yeah. pick up 12, lose two. Pick yeah. up eight, lose three. Like that's just kind of, you know, it's, it's not a very sustainable running game. Uh, so maybe that's an area over the next three weeks, but it's really hard when you're talking Wisconsin and Iowa on your schedule. Maryland presents an opportunity to be able to do that. Uh, so maybe you're going to see a little bit more of it, but they've, they've faced bad rush defenses for most of the last you know, yeah. stretch here. And it's not like they've just been able to line it up and run it. No. So we're really just sort of looking. This is what they are. Chubba Purdy ain't coming off the bench to save him. Nope. Save the tweets. No, nope. it's not happening. Don't want to see him. If it hasn't uh, happened yet, it's not happening, right? Yeah. I don't. I I just find it fascinating. And granted, I'm saying this as someone who literally watched his NFL team have a guy get traded and come off the bench and lead them to a victory. <laughs> a little bit different there when we're talking about amongst the best professionals in the world in the NFL. But I just don't. I don't understand. Like. I get it doesn't look good for Heinrich Harburg, and this is not advocating that he is any sort of long-term answer. Right now, he is what you have, mm-hmm. and this idea that they are hiding away someone that could magically make the team better is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Because they would, play, they would play the person if he was there. Yeah. They don't have it. And we watched them cross the field against Michigan State. They had a couple freshman quarterbacks that, quite frankly, if Nebraska is getting that performance from their quarterback, Jeez, no the kidding. offense looks a little bit different. And I think it runs a little crisp. And I think that's what you're hoping a Daniel Kalen is or a guy that you get to look for in the transfer portal. Like that's, that's more of what I think Matt Rule wants uh, than kind of where they're at with this sort of hybrid option, make it up as you go off it. Man, it's crazy. It's, it's, that's interesting you bring that up because I thought the same thing. I thought, man, but I looked at, when we looked at this game on Saturday, I was like, oh, wow, couple of co- a backup and a freshman who's barely played. This is a chance for this defense to feast. And they both played pretty well, right? And Nebraska still doesn't have, still obviously, two years in a row not having quarterback depth has is, is killed them, right? It's just. Well, they've, had, they've had names, right? They haven't had performances. But Jeff right. Sims, you're not expecting Jeff Sims to give you eight turnovers in eight quarters. Like, that's not, no one ever could have imagined that that was going to come. Now, I know there's a bunch of people like, oh, he led the nation in turnovers. Eight turnovers in eight quarters is a pretty epic proportion. Mm-hmm. You're not anticipating the sort of run on injuries that they've had, too, even though it does happen a lot at the quarterback position. And you also thought that, you know, when you got a shove of 30, he would be in a better position to play for you two years in than he is. And he's just clearly not because they're not even interested in having that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I keep saying it is what it That said, somehow it looks like Harburg. Harburg looked less comfortable at than he has all year on on Saturday, especially yep. in the pocket. Just it almost it looked like he was thinking and changing his mind in the midst of the play. Do you guys remember the, the 2019 season, the very beginning of it, and it's just like this doesn't look like the same Adrian Martinez. Yeah. I think sometimes what happens 
and I'm not even trying to compare that Harburg is going to be Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. but there's, I think what happens is very early when Heinrich Harburg had this job, you're just playing free and loose and doing whatever, you know, comes natural to you. And you're just out there playing football, right? Now he is thinking. You yeah. can see him think yes. on your 100%. screen. And I don't want to, like, this isn't to disparage him because he hasn't had that, like, he's played a lot of football now, but he really hasn't been built and developed to be in this situation. Right. So it feels like you're watching him process and he's not processing fast enough. And you combine that with some mechanics that aren't, aren't particularly strong and a cast of characters that you have a lot of backups and a lot of guys that are getting their first real playing time in college football. You have a recipe for where it's just going to not look very good. And that was Saturday. And the defense couldn't save them this time. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I, I, I felt like, you know, it was a disappointing game and it was an uninspired effort to a degree. But I was, you know, I don't look at that loss and think, oh, there's no way they could win any of the next three. I look at it as sort of a natural, like, they're not as good as they thought they were. They mm-hmm. can't just show up in a place and beat a team. They have to put together a better, cleaner performance. And the defense can't save them every time the offense yeah. has a bad day. Uh, that, but that was my, those are my thoughts. I don't think it's a long-term hangover effect for the next three games. Well, it was kind of like the defense sort of threw a no-hitter in the previous weeks, and they threw like a four-hitter, right? And gave up yeah, one run this time. Run. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it was still a... A good performance, but they're not always going to throw a no hitter here at this point. And it's not, you know, to, to throw all of it away. They didn't play as well, but you've just, you've got to get, you, like I said, you've got to get one of those three areas better, right? The defense either yeah. has to throw the no hitter, you've got to win, you've got to have special teams winning the field position battle, or the offense has to not turn it over, right? What, one of those three has to, or I guess I can add a fourth, Mike. You can't lose the benefit of the doubt on every key call from the officials an entire game, too. Sorry yeah. to be that guy, but that was ridiculous. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, I, I, I look. I don't think it's unfair to ask for things that are in the rule book to be called and for things to be run and operated. Like that's not, uh, you know, I don't know yeah, that I think it, uh, which was, which was the most egregious to you out of all of them? Just out of curiosity. Probably, I mean, the spotting like, I, okay, so let's, let's run through these. Here are all of the litany of issues that I can come up with and there's more, but this is what I have off the top of my head. They didn't operate the clock correctly in the fourth quarter and underside inside of two minutes. Right. Multiple times. Uh, yeah. Yes. They did not spot the ball correctly. They did not call for a replay of a critical, you know, pass fumble situation that we see throughout football all the time. And you and like and I understand not a lot of time left. That's on the Big Ten. That's not on Nebraska. That's not on Matt Rule. That's on your officiating coordinator. That's on your officiating crew. You have to get that call right. Mm-hmm. That is a failure of epic proportion to me. And mm-hmm. that says nothing about the fact that they called a touchdown that I think there was photo evidence on Twitter where you could just see the ball turned over on the ground. Yep. You know, so it's just like, uh, you know, and maybe it was doctored, who knows. But we also watched the replay where his hand is clearly not under the ball as it skids along the ground as he's diving on it. Yeah. But these are all things that you have an expectation. Maybe one of them or two of them go wrong or go against you. But you should never go into a football game thinking that they can't operate the clock correctly. Yeah. Like that is a damning thing for the Big Ten. Does it matter to them? No. Will we see this crew again? Absolutely. Have we seen this for years with no repercussions or no changes for officials? Yes. Does it ultimately matter to the conference? No. Yeah. That's the that's the shame. And it's not a Nebraska thing. You have all of these teams in your conference 
They all deserve better officiating, and they've gotten trash officiating for years, and they're going to get trash officiating in the future, and that's what the Big Ten tells us to expect. You didn't even mention the 25th anniversary Eric Crouch face mask special, which I thought was a nice tribute, Uh, nor the no-pass. I've seen some no-PI calls that have been in key in Nebraska games that maybe somebody could have argued I I was being a homer, and I thought, I don't think you could with the one on Malachi Coleman. On the field, yeah. I don't. I, I, that's about as egregious as I've ever seen. Those are those are terrible, right? But sometimes you're just going to have really bad subjective calls one way or the yes. other. It's when they can't apply what happens and is what is supposed to happen with the replay, with, with the, the clock. clock. Yeah, I get it. With I get what you're those saying. Those sorts of things. Yeah, that's where they failed. Right. I mean, it's not just I'm not happy with how they called the game. That that has nothing to do with it. It's that they're failing to do their literal job. Right. Right. There's rules in place that they are absolutely screwing up. Yeah, That is unacceptable. <sighs> All right, last question. Nebraska basketball, starting tonight. Should I be guarding my heart this year against another level of pain that I haven't experienced before, or is this where, where the joy actually flows, flows like wine? Okay, let's see. You mentioned Nebraska basketball, not Nebraska volleyball. Not Nebraska track and field, not Nebraska air rifle, not Nebraska bowling, not okay. Nebraska basketball, and you're wondering if you should have your, if you should be guarding your heart. Would you like to start that question over? Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right. No, seriously, the team, the team is going to be very interesting. I don't know if the iteration we're going to see this week, while they kind of round into some help no. form, is going to be what we see the rest of the year. Uh, but here's the thing. This is a lot like the 2017-2018 schedule. Like, they they don't play a lot of particularly good teams. They have a couple key matchups. You know, that year it was Creighton and and Kansas, and they took Kansas to the wire, and I think they took Creighton to the wire. And then, um, you know, this this year it's Creighton and it's Kansas State. And then everything else on the schedule are pretty bad teams. So they have an opportunity to be 10-2 and or, excuse me, 11-2. and I think as we get into January, you have those Big Ten games that are in, you know, yep. the, the month of uh, the month December. Of December. Yep. And so, it, you know, they, they have a chance to really stack wins in a way that they haven't. We've seen other Big Ten teams do this. Northwestern's done it. Penn State's done it. And they're able to find themselves in conference play, and then they grind out a middle-tier finish, and they get to go to the tournament because of it. Yeah. Could Nebraska be that team? So I will also mention 2017, 2018, they finished fourth in the Big Ten and they weren't even allowed to turn it. So who the hell cares? Who knows? (laughs) So, so yes, guard my heart is the short answer. I would, I would have that heart in Fort Knox if I were you as it relates to Nebraska basketball. All right. We'll see. Let's get on the ride and see what happens. Uh, all right. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. We'll see you here in person Friday and we'll uh, get everybody ready for Nebraska, Maryland. Have a good week. All right. Have a good one. There you go. Mike Schaefer, Husker 24 seven. And the Friday Husker tailgate. All right, 8.56, we'll take a break. Wrap it up to this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, one thing I forgot to mention, it's such a busy weekend with KLIN events at the Good Life Havesy. Uh, Caleb and I were on Sunday morning, but prior to that, Friday, over the lunch hour, I was at High V with the Salvation yeah. Army Turkey Drive, and I had a bunch of listeners come out and say hi uh, you guys know who you are, so thank you for coming and, and chatting for a little bit. I don't have the total numbers, but I do know this. When I was there, I was there from 1130 to 130, the hy V staff, the manager at hy V was looking at the numbers, and he said at that point during the lunch hour, 
they had already had more donations than they had the entire year last year. Oh, good. At the 70th and Pioneers. Hey, nice job, And so I assume it continued to go strong during the afternoon. I know our other stations were out there at Williamsburg as well, but a big impact on the Salvation Army's ability to get those Thanksgiving packs out to families in need. So thank you so much. We had people who were incredibly generous during that entire time, and also really nice to come out and say hi on a busy Friday afternoon. So big thank you to all of them. All right. Tomorrow on the show, Joe Jordan News Channel, Nebraska. Scheduled to have John Baylor joining us as well. Tuesday morning, a couple more fantasy Huskers keywords. You want to predict how many passes or the longest pass of the game for Nebraska, you'll get that chance at 635 and 810. We'll see you tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln.